y'all know I ain't going to do that. If you got your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me to a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. You've heard the story of this lady and how Jesus met her at the well and changed her life many times from the Gospel of John chapter 4. The Gospel of John chapter 4, it's got a lot in it to dig out of this morning, and we're going to read a good portion of it and pray. And so I hope you got a Bible to follow with us this morning. Um, I have not any water <laughs> with me this morning. Somehow my bottle went missing, and it occurred to me while we were singing, I'm fixing to preach about the living water, and I ain't got any, amen? But uh, maybe you come this morning, and you feel empty. You ever felt like life didn't go the way you expected? And there's things in your life that just disappointed you, that you feel you failed, and that even when everyone that looks around you, you're below average in the problems that have overcome you. This lady here, I can't imagine what it must have been like to live in this day. She had had five husbands, five divorces. She was living with a man now that wasn't even her husband. She was living in a place where everyone needed water. It was a daily need. But she would choose, apparently, to go in the middle of the day when no one else would be there. So that she wouldn't have to face others. Why would you not want to face others? Because others were looking down on her. And she was ashamed. The last thing she probably wanted to encounter when she went to the well that day at noon was a Jew. Because she was a Samaritan. And Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews. And not only was he a Jew, but he was a Jewish rabbi, a religious Jew. And as she seen him sitting at the well that day, I can only imagine what must have come through her mind. She said, good, I got to get my water and get out of here and get back. And then Jesus said, would you give me a drink? <laughs> we cannot imagine how that must have shocked her, that a man would ask her, talk to her. She probably at first thought he was one of those men <laughs> that was wanting more than a drink. But as she began to have a casual conversation, she realized he wasn't just a Jew. He wasn't just any rabbi. He was the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. And her life that day was forever changed to never be the same again. I don't care how empty you are, he can fill your cup. I don't care how many cares you fail, he can lift you up. And I don't care how beat down you are. He's the lifter of our head. And he holds us up when everybody else looks down on you. Jesus loves you. He cares about you enough that he left heaven. He came down here and he died on a cross. She just sang about it. And he gave his life so that we could have life. That's what the living water is, my friend. It's the life that only God can put in a man. Amen. And you might be empty. You might be thirsty. You might be... Feeling like you're doing without this morning. But I want to tell you one encounter with Jesus. And he said, you'll never thirst again. And I don't know about y'all, but since I got saved, life ain't perfect. But I want to tell you something. Life's worth living. It's fulfilling. It has purpose. It has meaning. And even when I fail, Jesus still is waiting there to lift me back up. Just like he did this lady. And as you read it with me this morning, I hope that you'll give it your attention because there's not a person in here, whether you believe it or not, is not in need of a drink from Jesus this morning. None of us has what we think we have. 
And anything we do have is all because of him. And as we read this morning, I want to invite you in chapter 4, verse 1, the Gospel of John. Therefore, when the Lord, that's Jesus, knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, he was in a successful place in ministry. Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left. (laughs) He left Judea and he departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about 12 noon. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir... You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Are you tired from drinking from the world, drinking from natural resources that play out? Jesus says in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Oh, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And I can understand why the woman is trying to change the subject. The woman says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. But Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We know that we worship for the salvation is of the Jews. For the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking whom to such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, that Savior. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said something that we can never imagine what it must have meant for her to be sitting in the presence of the Messiah, the the Christ the, the, the Son of God, God in the flesh. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
I'm here to tell you that one encounter with Jesus, not church, not Baptist religion, one encounter with the living, resurrected, ascended, glorified Jesus. If he ever speaks into your life and speaks over your life, your life will never be the same again. He's the life-changing God that changed this lady's life, that changed life as we know it. He died for us on the cross, provided perfect salvation. He gave his life. They buried him, but he rose from the dead and proved himself forevermore that he overcame the greatest enemy we have, death. And he rose from the dead, but he's ascended back to heaven. He sits on the throne today, and he sent his spirit And his spirit is here today and in the presence of his spirit from the authority of his throne. Not only does he have authority and power, but he's willing, my friend, to bless you this morning. To help you. To look down into your empty life, your broken heart. And if you'll believe in him and trust him to fill you up again where the life has robbed you and taken what matters and means the most to you from you. This lady had lost everything. She'd been married five times, five failures. Five times she hadn't found what she was looking for in a man. Well, you might say maybe the men wasn't finding what they was looking for in a woman, but this man wasn't looking for what they were looking for. She didn't have to please this man. This man was different than any other man, for he is Jesus, our Savior. You know, as we begin to look at this, it's an amazing story. Jesus, what's he doing? Well, his men had went to Sychar into the city to go find food. And I can promise you, not only did they not want to go through Samaria, they were Jews. They surely didn't want to have to go to a Samaritan city and buy food. But Jesus sent them, so they went. So they're uncomfortable doing anything from a Samaritan and with a Samaritan. So they're there buying food. This encounter happens with this lady, and they come back. And I want you to see, not only was she shocked when he spoke to her, but they were even more shocked to find out Jesus was speaking to this woman. It was totally not normal. It was forbidden for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman, much less a religious, godly man. But look at what it says when they came back. At this point, verse 27, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? But they were thinking that, what are you talking with her for? Don't you know you ain't supposed to do that? She's a woman. Not only is she a woman, she's obviously a woman who has issues or she'd be with the rest of the women, doing what the rest of the women do at 12 noon. But why is she out here by herself when no other women are there, purposely making an effort to dodge everyone else? You see, typically people did not draw water during the heat of the day in the middle of the day. They would have been home in their home doing what they did in the shade of their house. Most of the village women would have come together early in the morning, and if they hadn't had a chance to do it, they'd have went late in the evening to fetch the day's water before the heat of the noon sun. So why would she arrive at a time when no one else would be around? It's a good question. Do you catch yourself staying away from everybody else sometimes? 
Because you don't want to have to let everybody else see what's going on in your life. She had things in her life that she obviously wasn't proud of. So why would she arrive at a time when no one else would be there? Having been married five times and now living with a man who was not even her husband, she would have been ostracized by her community. You ever come to church and felt people looking at you? Not glad you're there, but wondering why you're there. (laughs) I remember the first time I went to church with Diane. I was expecting people to look at me that way, to treat me that way. But thank God I went to a church where Jesus was at. And I can remember stepping in that church, Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, at the back, 500-seater, filled to capacity. Diane didn't sit in the back. She was a front rower from day one. She walked me down, and she's almost sitting in the exact same spot today she sat in. And by the time we got up there, I was hyperventilating. My camels was instant truck, and I needed one. And I was, oh, out of my element. I felt out of place. And as we sat down, I was looking around and I was expecting them to come look at me like, who are you and why are you here? I didn't look like them and they didn't look like me. But when they came up to me, they didn't treat me different. They treated me just like they treated everyone. They said, hey, we're so glad you're here. You must be Diane's husband. We've heard of you. (laughs) That's not always good, is it? (laughs) What have you heard? We love your wife. I said, I'm glad. (laughs) Now leave me alone. But they came by one by one in that church that day. And they each would tell me, you must be Marvin. Not all of them, but some. I'm like, what has she been telling these people? But you know what I found? They welcomed me. They loved me. They treated me the way we all want to be treated. And even though I didn't fit in, even though I didn't look like them, Something made me want to come back again. You see, guys, when we treat people that aren't saved and they show it because they're not saved, as if they are saved, the way Jesus treated this lady, then people will want our Jesus. See, they don't want our religion. Religion's failed all of us more times than we can count. But everybody deep down wants a relationship with our creator. Wants to know the one who gave his life for us to save us. And this is Jesus. He's here. This lady, this Samaritan woman comes to the well alone rather than in the company of other women. Probably indicates the rest of the women of Sychar did not like her. And in this case, they were probably treating her. Not nicely. And I don't know if you figured it out yet, but the world ain't nice. The world will beat you up. The world will run you down. The world will make you feel like a failure. And you'll listen to it. And if you look by sight, and the devil will reinforce it with his lies and tell you you are a failure. But Jesus, he's not coming today to condemn you. Jesus comes to help you. To save you. I want you to think about this with me here for a moment. Jesus left a fruitful ministry. People were getting baptized. He was baptizing more people than John the Baptist. He was baptizing so many 
that it says, if you look over in chapter 3, look at what it says in verse 25. Then there arose a dispute between John the Baptist's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John the Baptist and said to him, Rabbi, he, Jesus, who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, oh, he's baptizing more people than you, and they're all coming to him now. Jesus left in Judea. He's a Jew. He's in right outside of Jerusalem. He's amongst his people. The Jews are coming to him. They're getting saved. He leaves them, but take into account, he left where he's being fruitful, where they're baptizing. There's fruit, and there's evidence that people are coming. He leaves where people are responding to him favorably, and he says, but we must go to Samaria. He said, we need to go where people hate us. We need to go where people ain't nothing like us and where you ain't like them and where not only do they hate us, you deep down struggle with hating them. They don't believe like us. They don't act like us. As a matter of fact, they were half Jews. That's why they hated them so much. They had been from the northern captivity and when the Assyrians had taken them captive they left some and they had intermarried and they were half Jews and they weren't allowed to worship at the temple anymore in Jerusalem so they had made their own temple because they still wanted to worship the God of Israel the God of of um, Jacob the God who gave them the well so here they are now they got religious things but you know what Jesus told them when I come The hour's coming, the hour when I die on the cross, where you won't worship in your mountain, you won't worship on the mountain of Jerusalem, you won't go to a temple. He said, the time is coming when you're not going to worship in a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church or a Methodist church. It's not going to be where you worship, it's going to be who you worship. When you go to heaven, they're not going to ask you, are you Methodist or are you Baptist? They're going to ask you, do you know the Lord? And more importantly, the Lord's going to say, do you know me? And when you know him and he knows you, he's going to bless you. He's going to move things in your life that the rest of the world doesn't know. He's going to fill your cup. He's going to take away your spiritual thirst. He's going to take away that which makes you feel empty. And he's going to put back in you which will make you feel full. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He's going to take that which makes you feel ashamed and wash it away with his blood. And fill it with something that's going to make you feel good. His Holy Spirit, his presence. And he's going to let you know that you're his. And he's going to seal you into the day of redemption. With the mark of his life and your life. That's what the living water is. Can I get an amen? In the life of God flowing in and through us. What a blessing Jesus has to give us today. And he doesn't only give it to the good people, the Jews. He gives it to the bad people, the Samaritans. You know, in chapter 3, you're introduced to a man named Nicodemus. He's a good man. He's as high on the social orders you can get. He's a Pharisee. He's a righteous man. He's looked to as top of the spiritual realm. He's religious right. He's the good. He comes to Jesus by night seeking Jesus. He believes Jesus is of God. You must be of God. No one could do the things you do, good teacher, unless you were of God. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So he tells us in chapter 3, You can't be good enough to get in without me. 
The best you have to offer falls short. But he's showing us today in chapter 4, you can't get bad enough. You can't mess up enough. You can't have made enough mistakes not to be fixed by me. You might have failed five times in your marriage. You might be living with a man right now because you don't even have one that will marry you or you don't have enough belief to marry again. But today, if you'll come and drink what I got to give to you, you won't be like that anymore. I'll make a difference. I'll fix that which is broken. I'll replace that which is lacking. And I'll fill that which is empty to overflowing. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Man, when Jesus shows up. What a difference he can make. And what a difference he does make. And so this lady has met the master. You see, Jesus today didn't come to condemn you. The Bible says that Jesus, when he met these men that's with him, who are saying, what are you talking to her for? You done sent us in here to go buy food from her, and now you ain't even eating the food we went and got. Won't you eat some of this food? Jesus said, I ain't hungry no more. <laughs> they said, Did somebody feed him? He said, ah, the food that I have, you don't know about. My food is to do the Father's will and to finish his work. That's what he says right below that. What is he talking about? Saving people like that lady at the well. Saving people like you who are lost and undone. Who the world's destroying and beating up. You're trying to find fulfillment in everything the world has to offer. And the more you try to dig in, the more you try to take of the world, the emptier you get. The more you try to fill that void and that hole and that empty spot with whatever the world is offering you outside of Christ, the more you find out something's missing. This lady left home that morning with something missing. She left home ashamed. She was hiding from the other women. But when she met Jesus, I want you to know what happens. Jesus is being asked by these men, what are you talking to her for? You know why? Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Not just the men you like, not just your fellow Baptists, not just fellow Americans, not just your your conservative rights. I'm going to make you fishers that fish even in the pond over there with the liberal left. (laughs) The people that don't think like you, the people that don't agree with you, that's where I want you fishing. You see... He begins to teach to them about the harvest. See, that's what Jesus is doing. He's in the harvest. The harvest is in Samaria. The harvest is at Sychar, where people hate us, where people aren't like us, where they don't even want to be like us, and they don't believe like us. Yeah, that's where the harvest is. The harvest ain't in here. See, we'll talk about Jesus in here. You'll talk about Jesus and invite your church people. But when's the last time you went up to a stone-cold sinner? A worldling. That's a product of the world that has no Christ-likeness, no godliness in their life. The last person you would believe could be saved like this lady and said, Hey, I got something to give you. If you knew the gift of God and what I have to offer you, you'd ask me for it much less receive it. So I want to tell you that this Jesus made a difference in my life and he can make a difference in your life. You know why so few of us are talking about Jesus? Because Jesus ain't making much difference in your life. It's come to find out when Jesus has filled my cup, I can't keep it in. 
when Jesus is filling me with his Holy Spirit, I can't contain it. But when I'm walking in the world and I'm of the world and I'm in the carnality of my flesh, I have nothing to offer lost people for Jesus. That's why it's important that we understand Jesus' example he sets here. He says right there that they said, what do you seek? Why are you talking to her? Listen to this. The woman came there to get water. (laughs) She left her water pot. (laughs) Man, she got around Jesus for 30 minutes. She forgot about water. (laughs) You know what I found? You get around Jesus for a little while, you'll forget about drugs. You'll forget about alcohol. You get around Jesus for a while, you'll forget about having it your way every time. You'll forget about being selfish and self-centered. You get around Jesus a little while, you'll start thinking about other people who ain't got to be around Jesus. You'll think, man, this Jesus, he's not, I didn't understand who he was. I didn't know what he could do. But he's blessed my socks. He's filled me up. I got to go tell somebody that he ain't what you think he is. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But the Father sent him into the world to save the world. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. He said, I came for sinners. I like how he says it in Matthew when Jesus heard this, that they were mad because he was hanging out with sinners and publicans and people that was of ill repute. (laughs) You know what he told the religious people? He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But we don't want sick people in the church today. We want well people. We want people that can give money. We want people that can work. We want people that can come in and make it better for us. We ain't here for them to come here and make it better for us. We're here to go and make it better for them. And when you wake up to that, God might bless you and use you and help you to reach somebody. Because listen, Jesus said this, not me. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is not come to... The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You know he was talking about? Zacchaeus. You know who Zacchaeus was? We like to speak of him, a cute little wee little man. He wasn't a wee little man. He was a wicked little man. He was the chief of the tax collectors. He was a robber and a thief and a cutthroat. And he turned on his own nation to better himself. But he climbed up a tree one day because he heard Jesus was coming through. And Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus! Come on down. Today I must go to your house. And Zacchaeus got saved. And Zacchaeus changed. And everybody was saying, do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? And Zacchaeus said, Lord, if I've wronged anybody, I'll give them back twofold what I took. I'll bless them back. And the Lord said, today salvation has come to your house. Not the Pharisees, not the religious person, not the good person. The chief of the Pharisees, I mean the chief of the sinners, Zacchaeus. And friends, listen, the Bible says this, Paul, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ is coming to the world to save sinners in whom I am chief. Have you figured out yet? He ain't here to save people who think they got it all figured out, who thinks they're all wonderful and righteous and above everybody else. He come to save people who knows I'm messed up. I'm broken. Man, I failed. I've made more mistakes than I can count. Jesus said, you're getting to where I can help you now. 
The person who says, man, I'm so much better than them, I can't believe they even want to come to my church. That person don't have no right to even be in here <laughs> if he's of Jesus. You see, this is what Jesus said when he first started his ministry. The first thing he preached, I don't know if you ever realized this, when he went to the church, the synagogue, it comes from the book of Luke. He had just come out from being baptized. He went into the wilderness for his 40 days and his fight with the devil, and he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes back into his home church, his home synagogue, where he spoke many times before. And when he came in, they, the attendant brought him the word of God and handed it to him. And he turned to it, to this verse. And it says, and Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not the proud. The poor in spirit, the broken. Those who realize, man, I ain't got nothing to offer God. I need God. Then he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You ever come to church brokenhearted lately? He said, that's why God sent me, to preach to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. You ever come to church and you feel like you're a captive? You feel like you're enslaved to something that you can't get it off your back? And you get rid of that monkey and two more jump on? Because that's what life is without Jesus. And sometimes it's like that for a season with Jesus. Till you get honest with him again. Till you get real with him. Say, I ain't what I think I am. I am poor in spirit. I do need your help, Jesus. Heal me. I'm broken hearted. And recovery of the sight to the blind. He's not just talking about physically blind. He said, I've set at liberty those who are oppressed. You ever been oppressed and Jesus set you free? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if the Son of God sets you free, you shall be free indeed. That's what the living water, that's what he's doing to this lady. And guys, you know what happens to this lady? She didn't have to go to Sunday school for half her life. She didn't have to go to a bunch of Bible studies. She didn't have to be told by the preacher she met Jesus. She took a drink of this living water and it ushered up into the very being of her soul and gave her everlasting life. And she left her water pot. She said, I don't need that anymore. I might need it later, but for right now, there's something more important than this physical water. I got to go tell these people that I live with, my neighbors, about this living water. This man who knew everything I've ever done Knew I'd been married five times. Knew I'm living out of wedlock. Knew I'm ashamed. He didn't make me feel guilty. He took away my shame. The one who realized I was empty filled me up. And now I no longer leak. And she, my friend, immediately, this is unbelievable. And when they had done this, they Oh, I'm in the wrong place. I'm still in Luke. Let me get back. Look at where we are. This is one of my favorite stories. It's the greatest thing you ever look at for how, what causes true evangelism. It says the woman in verse 28 then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men. Some of these men might have been the men that wronged her. 
If you think the women were looking at her ungodly, just think how these men must have been looking at her. If they were godly, they were looking at her as, I hope my son don't ever come home with her or anybody like her. And if they wasn't ungodly, they were probably seeing if they could have a turn. But they wasn't looking at her the way Jesus looked at her. They wasn't treating her the way Jesus had just treated her. So she's healed. She's done had a drink of the living water. And listen to what she says in verse 29. She's not ashamed anymore. Come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? The amazing thing about Jesus, he knows every wicked thought. He knows every ill motive. All our selfishness, much less all of our actions. And you know what? He loves you enough today to look at you and in spite of you say, come here. Let me give you something that you can't get except from me. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. I want to bless you. I don't know about y'all, but that's an amazing Jesus. That's not the Jesus we're hearing about much anymore. It's not the Jesus that's represented by the people. And look at what it goes on and says. Come and see. Then they went out of the city and came to Jesus. Now, I don't know what the lady did, but that morning when she woke up, they wouldn't have gave her twice look. They wouldn't have gave her a pass the time of day. But she met Jesus, and she was so convinced, she was so persuaded, like we sang perfect song, Brother John, that she went back and convinced and persuaded a whole town to come back with me out to this well. Because there's a Jew out there, a Jewish rabbi, and he ain't your normal Jew. He ain't your normal rabbi. He told me everything I'd ever done, and I'd never met him before. But not only did he tell me everything I'd done, he knew what it was. And even though he knew what it was, he blessed me. He fixed me. I'm not thirsty anymore. I'm not empty anymore. I'm not ashamed anymore. She convinced them, and they came back. Has any one of us convinced anyone lately of the goodness of God? Has anyone convinced anybody that the ability and the faithfulness of God to save you, to help you? Don't matter how messed up you've been. Don't matter how many times you failed. Just come to Jesus one more time and I promise you he'll accept you one more time. If you mean it. If you come broken, he's going to welcome you in. But your pride has no business, nor will it ever be allowed in the presence of Jesus. He says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the pride. So today, I ask you, are we like this lady? Are we willing to admit, I've messed up too? I need help too? My cup is empty too? Because I want you to see what happens when she goes back. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he says, I have food at each of you which you don't know about. And his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? We didn't know about this lady. Did she have some food or something? They must be thinking. And Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, don't forget, Jesus, he said, We must go through Samaria. We must be at this well at 12 o'clock. I must sit here because I got a divine appointment with a lady who he already knew about who already knew everything about her. And when she showed up, he was there waiting. He didn't want a drink. He wanted to meet her. He wanted to change her life. But guys, listen, evangelism to Jesus is bigger than one of us. It's the whole community. 
See, Jesus was not there just to save this lady. He knew that when this lady got saved, she was going to go back and they was going to have a movement of God in the whole city. In the place where people would have least expect it. That's why he left where they were baptizing people every day and went to a place where no one expected them to even give them the time of day. And look at what happens because this lady, my friend, goes back. He tells him, he says, therefore the disciples said to him, has anyone brought him food? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white. Remember, they're sitting around eating their meal. They're sitting there. That lady's water pot's still laying there. When Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look toward the fields, he wasn't saying, look at the church house. Look at all the good Baptist people. He said, look out at the city of Sychar. Look at all them Samaritans. Look at all them half-breed Jews. Look at all them mongrels that we call them. And look at them. They're coming right now. And look who's leading them, that little lady. That's the harvest. They were coming back. And as Jesus was eating, he said, look at there. And they were probably thinking, here she's coming back with more of them. I wish I could fill this place up with junkies and dopeheads and harlots and everything because they might get saved. They might do more than just sit here and be bored and yawn when I preach and watch their watch and say, good one, preacher. They might actually come to an altar and bow the knee and weep to the master. The religious righteous made Jesus puke because they were lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you be cold than like this, but I'd rather you be hot. Hot for me. And friends, listen, this lady by herself went back and she went back into the harvest. Listen to what he says. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming by which all who are in the, oh, I'm in the wrong place again. <laughs> And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And listen what he says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. But he still loved me. He still helped me. And then look at verse 40. Don't miss this. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. I'm telling you, they ain't never urged, much less invited a Jew to spend the night in that city. Much less a holy Jew, a rabbi Jew. But they asked Jesus, do you understand that a lot of people may not let us as the church in their home, but they're looking for Jesus. They need Jesus. The world is not impressed with our religion, but they will be with our Jesus if we will go and plead with them and urge with them who he is and what he does and just be honest that without him, we're a mess up too. I'm as jacked up as you if it wasn't for Jesus. I'm a train wreck in the process of happening if it ain't for Jesus. But Jesus is my Savior. He's the one who continually bails me out and lifts me up and cleanses me off and sits me on the right road and points me in the right direction. He's got my back and he's also leading my way. He's covering me. I'm under the shelter of his wings. I'm under the pavilion of his grace. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
That's what Jesus wants to do for people today. And look at what it says. And many of these Samaritans, then when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him, verse 42. And when they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, Jesus, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This lady got saved, and before she even went home from her water pot, she went back and brought the whole city back. Why is it that we can be in church 30 years, been to Sunday school half our life, and ain't got enough knowledge, enough unction to get one person to come to church with us? Friends, listen, the church is never going to reach the harvest out there if you keep sitting here waiting on them to come. See, Jesus went to her. He interacted with her in her normal, everyday routine. Do you know you never accidentally run into sinners? You know the people that come on a regular basis to your house? It may be the person who checks your meter. Have you ever met him? It may be the person who comes and maybe does your yard work. It may be the person who you go to your favorite restaurant that you've opened up a relationship to the point you know your waiter or your waitress's name. God didn't put that in your life by accident. Those people aren't there by just coincidence. The people, you know, when something happens, if you end up in the hospital, those nurses and stuff, they're not there just to help you. You're there to maybe be a witness to them. You see, Jesus said that when we're right with him and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he powers us, that we will be his witnesses to Judea in Jerusalem but also in Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. You know what that tells me? Bethany, you're going to be my witness not only on Highway 79, but on Cook Road. You're going to be my witnesses on the places you don't want to go. Not only at Walmart, but also down there in the ghetto. Also, wherever I bring you, whoever I bring in contact with you, you are to be my witnesses to tell them about me and my goodness and my faithfulness to love them and forgive them. You see, we could do it if we would just quit coming to church and going home and intentionally be like this lady. I'm going back to tell somebody about this Jesus. She convinced a whole town of men. They came back. They went back. Jesus stayed for two days, and many believed and were saved. It kind of takes over. You ever notice that? We have a thing out there today. It says on the top of there, it says, and you will be my witnesses. That's Jesus. There's a track with an easy presentation of the gospel from the Roman road that you can take, and there's nobody in here. If you're saved, that's not able to use this. If you don't use it, it's your rebellion and your disobedience to Jesus. And his greatest charge is for us to go and make disciples. He wants you to do that more than anything else. He wants you to tell lost people about this. And then he wants you to invite them into here. Don't matter if they're full of tattoos, if they got weird hair, if they stink, if they got bad breath. The worse off they are, the more he loves them. The more he wants to reach them. And when you look at them, say, I don't want a church full of them kind of people. I hope God gets you out of here. Because them kind of people is the people Jesus uses throughout the Bible. 
I was one of them kind of people. I'm not ashamed to say it. If you'd have met me today, I went to that church with Diane, you'd have said, oh, Lord, I don't know if we need him back. We need to do a background check. Where did he come from? And when Jesus saved me, I had no idea what he would use me to do. And neither did my mama or her. We have no way to tell who God can use, but we got to invite them. We got to get them in. See, this is an invite card. Now, this has got information about the church. It's got our pastor on here. Lord knows y'all need to do a lot of praying if that's what y'all got. But it's also got Jonathan, our worship leader, and it's got all the information of the time. Somebody's going to say, it don't have the, it doesn't have the address or the phone number. No. God doesn't want them to call us. He wants you to call them. This has got the address on it. You need to give them these together. You need to say, this Jesus will do this for you if you ain't saved. And you can come here and we'll love you and help you. We want you to be a part of our fellowship. If you've got children, we've got children's ministry on the back. You see, this is not just to give somebody, to leave somebody, to have a conscience, really. This is to use, to help somebody come to Jesus. And there's a rack back there. Don't take all of them. We get you two or three groups, pairs at a time, put them in your Bible. And when you use them, get you some more. If everybody in here started doing this once a week, when you're at the gas pump, someone starts talking to you about politics and about Biden and about how bad it is in America, say, it is pretty bad, brother, but let me tell you about somebody who can help you out. Let me tell you to come to a place where you can be encouraged. Let me tell you to come to some people who's crazy enough that they ain't worried about Washington because that ain't their kingdom. We believe in Jesus. Here, let me give you this. and Come to our church. It's on Highway 79. Just get on Greenwood, turn, and if you go to Texas, you went too far, turn around, come back. You'll see our sign. We love you, and I tell you what, if you come, you can sit with me and my wife. We'd be honored to have you sit by us. As a matter of fact, I'd be dishonored if you don't. Start doing that kind of stuff and watch what Jesus will do. He'll fill this place up so quick, you won't have time to worry about where they're at. You'll be worrying about where they came from and who are they and what's, how do we get them here. Friends, I bet you when that bunch from Samaritan, from Sychar started coming to that well, I bet them old Jerusalem bunch, them, them Jewish, all their life influenced by the traditions of their racism and all that worldly stuff, I bet they were saying, what in the world? And Jesus said, hey, welcome here. Hey, sister, you did a good job. Y'all come on here. Get your water bucket, dear. We filled it up for you while you was gone. Hey, one of you boys carry it back for this lady. Bring it to her house. Hey, sister, God bless you. Who are you, man? Oh, man. Yeah, oh, you want us to come back? We'd love to come hang out at your house. We're honored you would invite us in. We're Jews. You're not welcome here. Oh, no, we're not Jews. We're children of God. Friends, that's what the world needs. Would you agree with me? And it starts with me making up my mind. I'm not going to judge these people anymore. I'm going to love them. I'm going to give them Jesus, not religion. Lord knows the world got enough religion. Lord knows we've got enough churches. But we sure need some more people to save. Amen. Today, there's somebody in here. You're empty. You've never had Jesus wash away your sin and fill you with his spirit. And, and you know you need Jesus. See, that lady was so not ashamed. Not only did she 
accept Jesus, but she went back and told her whole town. So tonight, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you need Jesus, don't be ashamed. Step up. You're with us, man. We own the home team. And give your life to Christ, man. We're going to hug you and celebrate and shout out. And if you can't come to Jesus here, where will you? So I'm going to invite you. If you're not saved, if you knew right now, if you died, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. I'm here to tell you that without Jesus, you are going to hell. Not because of me, but because of your decision not to accept him. But it ain't about heaven and hell only. It's about having him in your life. And I will tell you right now. Eternal life don't start when you leave here and go to heaven. Eternal life starts the minute you drink of that living water and it begins to well up in your soul and it begins to nourish you with the things that Jesus wants to do in your life. He'll do it right now. Would you come? We're going to stand. Those of you who know the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray. Those of you who ain't sure, I'm going to ask you to be sure. Come up here. I'll counsel with you. But those of you who know you need to be saved, today is your day of salvation. Today, Jesus will do for you what he did to water at the well. And I'm going to ask everybody else in here who's saved to make a commitment to the Lord to get you at least a set of these, maybe two. Put them in your Bible. Keep them with you. And say, Lord, lead me to a lady by the well. Lead me to a troubled soul. Lead me to someone who needs Jesus. And watch what he'll do. He'll lead you right to where he can use you, just like he did here. I'm going to pray, and when I get through, I'm going to expect someone who needs to be saved to be coming up here, just like them people from Sychar. They were coming to that well to meet Jesus. He's waiting for you. He's saying, come to me. My arms are open for you. I'll receive you. If you need to come, come now. And for those of us who know him, I'm going to ask you to be let him use you just like that lady. And let's go be his witnesses. Father in heaven, I thank you that, Lord, you spoke today. I thank you that Jesus loves sinners and that he cares about us deeply and he knows everything about us, our failures, the emptiness of our soul, but yet, Lord, he loves us enough to come and make a difference. I pray for that person who's struggling this morning, who's wondering where you've been, that you would touch them today, that you would give them a drink of this living water. And Lord, I pray for the one who's saved, that they'll want to go and see others saved, that you'll help us to be your witnesses. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you, to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, come. The Lord loves you. He's waiting for you right now, just like the day at the well. He'll give you a drink.